You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's episode of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, we're going to talk about the Utah offensive line, a unit that was much lined to start the season, has really emerged as a prominent part of the offense in due part to one particular player, uh, that probably has had the biggest impact in terms of making a change. Also, we're going to check in on some advanced statistics that are trending in favor of the Utes. Lastly, we're going to take a look at recruiting and break down where Utah stands as they look to finish off the 2022 class with the early signing day in December. All that on today's episode of the Locked on Utes podcast for October 20th, 2021. my Utah friends and family. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Also, uh, you know, in the DMs, they're on Twitter at Locked On Utes. You can try and slide up in my DMs, but I never check Twitter anymore. So uh, have fun in there. Um, Not a lot going on for your guy. Uh, these days on the old tweet machines, uh, having a real grown-up job has really uh, put a, a major, major hit on my Twitter status. Um, yeah, so uh, big-time bummer there. Uh, I missed the interactions, but at the same time, uh, very excited about the new career uh, path that I'm on currently. Uh, maybe one episode we'll talk about that. But right now, I want to talk about something that's far more important. That's the offensive line of the University of Utah. And what a surprise, they're suddenly playing extremely well. And it just so happens that the changes made coincided with the change at quarterback. Now, I don't think that there's any such thing as coincidence in football. I think everything has a place, everything has a moment, everything has a reason for it. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is is just, uh, you know, sometimes it's chemistry, Sometimes it's a schematic change you can make because you're more confident in the talents of one player over another. Sometimes it's simply just a, 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 a steady pace of development that maybe wasn't there previously. So for whatever the reason, the University of Utah football team and the offense especially is firing at a very high rate. You might even say that the offense is rising above the start of the season where they really had no uh, rhythm to them, no real... Um, identity and no real function. I don't think it's a coincidence that it's doing more large part to cam rising. And there are a lot of statistics to back it up. If I were to ask you where you thought Utah ranked in the Pac-12 in terms of sacks allowed, I wonder how many of you would guess that they are in the top third of the conference behind Oregon State and USC. That's right. Utah is third in the conference with nine sacks allowed across six games. That's a pretty impressive statistic for a unit and for an offensive line that has been much maligned uh, for most of the season, if not all of it. Um, And it's, I think, very indicative mostly of the fact that the change at quarterback has allowed Utah to operate on a different uh, plane 
meaning that defenses have to respect Cam Rising in the run game. So they can't just pin their ears back and rush the quarterback. They have to maintain lane integrity. They can't just slant and axe and crash and twist and stunt all into oblivion up front and confuse the offensive line. And I think we saw that as Utah has played against some very strong teams uh, in recent weeks, especially in terms of uh, total sacks, that that has allowed the offensive line a little more opportunity to do their job. If you look at the leading conference leaders in stacks, you might think that it's the University of Utah defense that leads, and you would be wrong. Number one is Arizona State with 21 sacks. And while 21 sacks is a very high number still, uh, two sacks higher than Utah's 19, exactly zero of those sacks came Saturday night at in Rice-Eccles Stadium against the University of Utah. Yes, that is correct. The University of Utah officially held Arizona State to zero sacks. Zero. Big goose egg. And while that hasn't been the only gripe against the Utes, I think it's a very strong case both for the offensive line play that's improved drastically, for the moves that Jim Harding made to get his group into a uh, a category, to a, a lineup, I should say, uh, that was the most functional, fitting the five best uh, offensive linemen on the field. And while Jaron Kump has struggled to return from injuries, Bamadele Ulusheni has stepped in and done a uh, we'll say an acceptable job of, of maintaining the left tackle position. And I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that some of that has been due to the fact that his roommate, Cam Rising, is now the quarterback. Uh, I think that that's not an uncommon circumstance where offensive linemen sometimes play a little bit harder for one guy over the other. Uh, I played, when I played offensive line, there were guys who were absolute jerks, and I played hard for them because I knew they could win us games. It was the guys that never, ever really got the job done, that just sat back there, held the ball, made you look bad. Those were the ones that you had the hardest time playing hard for. So all this being said, I think there's one other aspect of this offensive line unit that people will point out and and talk about and say, well, what about the tackles for loss? It seems like we're always allowing tackles for loss in the backfield. Maybe. Um, Utah does have some early issues in the season with some TFLs. There's no doubt about it. But what if I told you that they're the fifth ranked team in tackles for loss allowed in the conference at 29, that they've only allowed, uh, 4.8 tackles for loss per game and that they have the third lowest amount of yards in TFLs, uh, total with 96 followed by in. So it goes Oregon state, Oregon, Utah, the top three teams. So that tells you a lot about how good this offensive line is, how good they've been for most of the season. And and really, as we look at things now, they're starting to trend in an even better direction. So if we look at the tackles for loss that Arizona State had on Saturday night, again, one of the top teams in the conference in terms of sacks, one of the top teams in the conference in terms of TFLs, Utah held this team to just three tackles for loss for a minus five yards. This is what we call a narrative disruptor. This is what we heard from Kyle Whittingham at the very end of camp where he was extremely, let's say, frustrated, uh, maybe uh, agitated, maybe aware of the fact that his offensive line had not had time to gel because they were suffering and dealing with injuries. 
And so maybe it wasn't so much that miss that Kyle Whittingham was misleading us as much as it was. He was aware of what it took for his team to really get on top of things. Now go circling back to the tackles for loss. The most teams that have tackles for loss. Number one is Utah with 46. They're also tied with Arizona state who has 46 as well. So an Arizona state is averaging 6.5 yards per tackle for loss. So the university of Utah offensive line Kudos to them for doing a phenomenal job. I think it was evident when Nick Ford was named the offensive lineman of the week that he is back. He is playing better than he has all year. Congrats to Nick. I I think there are likely reasons that we don't know that uh, contributed maybe to his early struggles. Uh, Some of it could have been injury-related. Some of it could have been off-the-field stuff. Uh, That's part of why uh, I think – you know, football players and, and coaches and everybody like that are so guarded with this kind of information is because when you start to open that stuff up to other people, it can allow a lot of speculation about things that we simply don't know enough about. And in this day and age, I think we should all be hyper aware of the fact that there is so much going on that we have no clue about that maybe sometimes the people who have been doing it for, for as long as they have, for as much as they have, might have an idea of what's going on. Not all the time, and I'm not trying to chastise anybody here or say you're not seeing what you're seeing because I think a lot of times people see chaos back there. As someone who's had to block, let me tell you, it is far worse being in the stuff when you're trying to block it than when you're watching on TV. But I also know exactly how close those margins are. I know how hard it is to do what you do when you're an offensive lineman, and I'm not asking for any kind of uh, kudos or anything like that. All I'm saying is that what we sometimes see and think is chaos is not nearly as chaotic as maybe we expect it to be because we're emotionally wound up over it. We're excited and we get uh, super excited when we see things getting a little dicey back there. Uh, It's why you hear people yelling for timeouts like maybe 50 seconds before you really need to call one, Uh, especially in today's day and age where offenses can score so quickly. Um, But we get excited about things. And so we see things and we think it's so much bigger than it is sometimes. Uh, That's not to say that Utah's offensive line didn't struggle early on. It did. But I think there were two key moves that were made to free it up. One, Keaton Bills brought in to add some aggression to the inside of the offensive line. Two, Braden Daniels kicked out to the right tackle position where he probably belonged all along. Daniels was a tackle in high school. He is built to play the position, albeit he is only six foot four. He has extremely long arms. He is extremely strong and he moves his feet well. And he has been one of the most consistent performers at the offensive line position since moving to right tackle. Daniels is almost a prototypical right tackle because while he is not extremely tall, he is extremely long. He has a great wingspan, very long arms that move well and, and that can latch on to defenders and, and especially work them well on an island. And sometimes that can be a little bit more difficult when you're playing inside and you have to be a little bit more square. And some of why Daniels fits on the outside a little bit better, he is a little bit light for the guard position. Now, he can generate some good movement in the run game. There's no doubt about it. He is an excellent help blocker. He's an excellent seal blocker. And in the and what a seal block is is when you're actually sealing whoever it is on the backside off from getting over the top of you to make the play to the play side. 
And that's part of what makes Daniel such a good player at the right tackle position. Not only does he understand what the guards have to do from having played there, he's an excellent seal blocker, and that's most of what tackles have to do on a regular basis. Tackles also block on an island. More often than not, their assignment is one-on-one versus the defensive lineman uh, in front of them. So more often than not, it's a defensive end. Daniels is much better when he can focus on that and use his strengths meaning his long arms, his quickness. He's not quite as heavy as most guards. He's about 285, 284, I believe. Um, Even though he's listed at 300 on the website, I'm telling you he was in really good shape this year, so he's probably not quite to 300 pounds. But he's built perfect for that right tackle position. And and the lack of actual height in terms of being like 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", doesn't hurt him again because of long arms. But it also helps Cam Rising because Cam Rising can throw and see over the top of him. And that's a big, big, a big uh, help, a benefit, a big difference maker. You know, I, I think one of the best tackles in the NFL is David Bakhtiari. Uh, and Bakhtiari is about 6'4", 300 pounds. And it's just all about his uh, uh, his technique, his skill set, and how he moves and how he handles. He's 6'4", 310. So basically, David Bakhtiari, one of the best, if not the best, left tackles in the NFL, is the same size as Braden Daniels. So... All this stuff being put together, a lot of credit goes to Cam Rising because, as I always say, the biggest factor in pass protection is the quarterback. And what we've seen with Cam Rising, with his decision-making, with his ability to tuck the ball and run, with the threat that he poses to defense, is that he has made the job that much easier on his offensive line, that they've allowed him to uh, play the way that he plays, and, and, and it's allowed them to improve, to get confidence, and to become one of the top offensive lines in the conference. We still have a ton of games left to play. Who knows if that's going to be the way that it stays. I think they have a very, very tough uh, task ahead of them with Oregon State. And obviously with an Oregon team on the on the uh, schedule still that has some of the best individual talent in, in the conference, if not in the country, that's going to be an extremely difficult matchup for this Utah team, for this Utah program. Having said that, I think we need to at least recognize that for the past two games, the Utah offensive line deserves their flowers. And if you want to go get your flowers too, there's an easy way to do it. It's prize picks. That's Daily Fantasy Made Easy. It's a great way for you to go out and learn how to play Daily Fantasy. They're a leader in college sports Daily Fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offer all the star players of Power 5 as well as mid-major players you might not have ever even heard of. Somebody like Jake Hayner, the quarterback for Fresno State, who's out there just slinging that rock as good as he can. Prize Picks offers you any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All you have to do is make your deposit and use the promo code Locked On to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use the promo code Locked On. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus those numbers. The best part about prize picks, they allow mixed sport entries. So if you're maybe not so confident about all the college football going on, you could take LeBron on the over and Patrick Mahomes on the under in the same category. Use the award-winning app on both the Apple App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in six, 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code locked on or go to your App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Welcome back into the Locked On Youth podcast here on a Wednesday. 
Thank you for making us the first listen of your day every single day. We are free and available on all platforms for you to follow. Also, we are here to talk statistics. And I know, that's so bizarre. This is not something that I'm good at. I am the eye test champion. I sit there and I break down film and I know exactly what's going on. But I've found that it's a lot harder for me to translate what it is that I'm seeing to in an explanation uh, to those who maybe don't have the tens, decades of, of years of watching and, and or playing football or coaching football or being around football. And so that's why I've turned to my friend at Stats of War uh, on Twitter. Parker is a statistical genius. I will uh, try to remember to throw the links out here on the on the Twitter handles to where you can learn about uh, what all the advanced stats mean. He's got a really cool video uh, about uh, you know um, how to interpret all these stats, what to do um, in terms of uh, reading these sheets that he puts together and they're really cool sheets because they're color coded. It puts the, uh, he does them for every week for every game. And so he puts the opponents against one another and then he rates all these advanced statistics versus the other team. And I think one thing that's very, very noticeable about Utah is the improvement from last week to this week. Now, if you're not somebody who understands what EPA is, that's, me for the most part. If you don't understand what an echo rate is, again, that's me for the most part. The best part about these stat sheets is that P Parker color codes them. And the deeper the shade of blue, the better it is that you're doing. Uh, the more red, and I don't know that I necessarily love this color shading uh, as a uh, Utah homer, whatever it is that I am. I don't even know what to call myself anymore. Um, but the more red you see on your sheet, the worse it is that you are. Uh, so if we look at last week's sheet, for example, and that's Utah versus Arizona State, let's go through a couple of statistics that, that kind of tell the story. EPA is expected points added. It's a per-play efficiency stat that translates yards to points in context. It is analogous to weighted on-base on average in baseball. How often do you improve your situation and by how much? A high EPA means a team is more explosive. So if we look at last week's, for example... Utah's EPA margin was 0.043, so not super high. Uh, Arizona State's 0.156, so significantly higher. Let's look at Utah's this week, 0.058. So they've gone from 43rd in the country to 33rd suddenly, and now all of a sudden everything else is rising as well. And there's a reason that it's rising, and we all know that it's Cam Rising. The offense is doing ex exponentially better, and so that EPA margin is going up higher and higher as Utah's offense improves. We talked so much this year about how tempo is important and how converting on third down is important. Utah was 63%, I think, uh, 62 or 63%. Uh, I'm getting so many numbers in my head now, I can't even keep them all straight. Uh, for for last week against Arizona State. I mean, it was a phenomenal performance, I, and I'm sure that the expectation now is going to be that that's how it's going to be every week, and I just don't think that that's the the you know most reliable factor. But Utah is doing exceptionally well in EPA all of a sudden. Uh, to gain almost a, a hundredth of a point. Now it doesn't sound like that much, but when you consider that if you're in, uh, if you have a tenth of a point there in EPA margin, that you're a top five team in the country, 
for Utah to game a hundredth of a point in one game tells you just how much better they're playing than they were at the start of the season. A couple other things that we need to talk about. I mentioned Eckel earlier. Uh, Eckel is a named after the Navy fullback. Eckel is an alternative measure of game control to time possession. The ratio is the number of quality possessions you earn relative to how many you allow, whereas the rate is often you get a quality, quality possession. For clarification, see the Corsi stat in hockey. Now, I don't know how many hockey fans there are on the podcast, but I certainly don't know what the course I said is in hockey. So let's give you a different explanation. Uh, it's a ratio of productive drives in a game. What's a productive drive? It's a uh, one where in which a team has a scoring opportunity, meaning first and 10 across the opponent's 40-yard line, or a big play touchdown. Echel is a measure of game control that is more informative than the traditionally used time of possession. Instead of asking how long a team held the ball, something that I've been fighting against all year long, Echel asks how well a team held the ball, something that I've been arguing for all year long. So maybe I'm a little bit biased when I'm reading these statistics, but I think that that's a key component of what Utah's improved on. So let's look at it last week. Uh, their points uh, per Echel was ranked 14th on defense at 3.21, meaning they were only allowing 3.21 points per Echel drive, right? So productive drive, um, which is extremely good, right? Top 14, you know, top 15 in the country, they're on defense. On offense, tipping the scales at 63rd, uh, meaning that they're getting 4.23 points per Echel uh, against defenses. Um, so not exactly strong, um, you know, not exactly... Uh, tremendous, I guess maybe it would be the word that we're looking for here. But let's look at the improvement now. Uh, th- so that was last week against Arizona State. And now if we look at Utah's points per echo, <laughs> 4.41. We're already up to 52. And so if Utah continues on this rate, they're going to end up with a maybe top 25, maybe even top 20 offense. Defensively, they actually de- uh, decreased from last week uh, ever so slightly. So they're down to 3.38 points uh, 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 per echo so, or points echo, which puts them at 19th uh, in the country right now. These things can be a little bit difficult to understand. Uh, so like I said, I will tweet out the video where he explains it all. But essentially what it is is how many of those drives that you're allowing, um, how many of those productive drives are occurring, that's the number of points and or points per uh, productive drive that you're you're earning. So I think what it really tells you is just how productive you are overall as an offense with the ball. And we're seeing that Utah is getting more and more productive as Cam Rising takes over as they're better on third down, as they're increasing the tempo, and as they're just being more effective with every possession. And that's the biggest improvement with this Utah offense. There are a ton of statistics um, that Parker offers. You can uh, you can find all of his stuff on Twitter, like I said, at Stats of War. Uh, for those of you who are kind of like me, where uh, maybe you don't understand stats so much, uh, but you want to learn more, or for those of you who understand analytics or advanced stats, um, maybe in basketball or, or, or baseball, this should be right up your alley. Highly recommend him. You can also, uh, you know, toss him a few bucks. He's, he's got a link in there. I threw him a few. Uh, he does a really, really great job with this stuff. I think it's very fascinating because it gives you an idea of as you learn the statistics and learn about things like EPA and win probabilities, for example, you know, 
Utah's win probability against Arizona State was 38.93%. He projected them to have 22 points. Uh, Utah actually got 35 and won the game. He had Arizona State with a 61% win probability and projected them at 26 points. They finished with 14. So Arizona State did not play up to standard. Utah played way beyond their standard, and I think some of this is just the model needs a little bit of tweaking now because the small sample size with Utah with their offensive changes, with the change of quarterback, with the offensive line changes, and all that, it just makes a lot of sense why uh, why that why their numbers are going up so much more. And I think this is actually a really beneficial situation for Utah to be in because they're starting to improve at the perfect time. So if they can continue this and, and go up against some of the uh, you know more. Uh, uh, intimidating teams in the conference. You know, they still have Stanford on a Friday night. Oregon's going to be a big game. Obviously, UCLA on October the 30th. That'll be a big one as well. Parker will be continuing to put these all together, so I highly recommend following him on Twitter. Maybe throw him a few bucks through his uh, uh, Buy Me a Coffee link there on his profile. Just for the record, win probability for the Utes is at 63.39% for Oregon State. He's projecting them to score 28 points, 28.88, so I'm going to say it's 29. Win probability for the Beavs, 36%, projected at 24 points. Uh, the spread currently uh, Oregon State plus three, so Utah the favorite. Total over under fifty five and a half, uh, according to his advanced stats preview. So there you have it. Uh, some advanced statistics information. Like I said, not always my forte, but uh, I especially thought it was interesting how much the echo rate, uh, you know, meaning the 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 productive drives uh, to where they can get into position to score. Um, how much that really has an effect or, or that how much that has adjusted and changed on the offense. We'll check in with these from time to time. As I, I mentioned as well, you can go find all this stuff on Twitter. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll keep keep churning this stuff out. You know, maybe this maybe this segment sucked. I don't know. Uh, maybe it was cool. Maybe you have no idea what I was talking about because sometimes there's new stuff like this. I don't really know what I'm explaining. Uh, you know, I know the the names and EPA and Echol. I know that DVOA is a very big one in the NFL. I haven't seen it translate to uh, uh, college quite yet. Um, but it's going to be something that we're going to try to continue doing. So let us know, uh, as always, on Twitter or via email if you like it or hate it or if you need me to stop trying to explain advanced statistics and just maybe get Parker on the show, uh, we can look into something like that. In the meantime, I'm going to tell you something that I do know a lot about. That's Bill Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried one by now, you're the one that's missing out. It doesn't taste like a protein bar. It tastes like a candy bar. Uh, but you need to try one to really believe it. And I've gotten into it on, with multiple of you on Twitter uh, over this. Uh, and you seem to not believe me, which is fine. It's fine. Everybody everybody loves it out. Everybody loves it out these days. Uh, but there's always, always, always at least one built Bar out there that you haven't tried yet that you're going to like. Uh, these built Bars are soft, covered in 100% real chocolate. And when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you're swearing you're eating a candy bar. I swap my built Bars in for my sweets all the time. Uh, built Bar, because built Bars are low in carb, low calorie, low fat, low sugar, and high in protein, with all those healthy benefits, it's so much better for you than eating a cookie, a candy bar, or anything like that. Um, but on top of that, all of that, they're just purely delicious. There are so many flavors. Another great thing about Bill Bar, you can get all those flavors in a mixed box. Yeah, that's right. You can try the coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, 
coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry barcia, all in a mixed box. This month, Built Bar is coming out with a new limited-time flavors every three to four days, so check their website often. You don't want to miss out. I just tried the blueberry muffin, and I got to tell you, if you like blueberry muffin tops, the cereal, this might be the protein bar for you. Uh, I've tried the cherry lime. There's a couple others coming out, too, that you need to try. The best part about it, if you go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. We are the best promo code on the internet. If you have a better one, you better let me know uh, because then we need to fix it. Just remember, go to built.com, promo code LOCK15, all one word, 50% off your order at built.com. BetOnline is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Wrapping things up here on a Wednesday episode of the Locked on Utes podcast. Uh, <laughs> I have to laugh. Uh, uh, this was a, I, I, if you've made it this far into the episode, bless you, first of all. Um, these uh, these solo episodes can get a little bit difficult at times when, um, you know, if, if there's not like a trending topic or something like that. And, and so I try to go outside the box a little bit with the statistics stuff. So if it doesn't make any sense, I... I I'm a, I'm aware I'm aware of that um be patient we'll we'll try and come back to it later and uh um you know maybe try and explain it better I I think stuff like that is usually a lot easier to to explain with Jake because you can kind of go back and forth rather than just having to uh stand up and as well I'm not standing up I'm sitting obviously I'm in my favorite chair that's why I'm the brown bear uh, but it's just, it, it's, so if it doesn't hit, we'll, we'll do better next time. Uh, trying to dr- stretch outside the box, you know, uh, we are trying to get more people involved in the podcast, obviously, because I think, you know, Cole Bagley has done a really, really great job. I, I love Cole. Like I'm, I'm personally biased because I think he's amazing, but also, uh, the stuff that he's gotten lately has been really good stuff and it's fun to have him on and, and, uh, you know, kind of get to know his, his side of things. He's up and around the team so much and everything that it's just really great. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, uh, we're going to close this episode out with me talking about stuff that I actually do know. Um, and that's recruiting. Uh, and well, I should say that, um, trepidatiously because I kind of know recruiting. I definitely don't know it as well as somebody like Steve Bartle or, uh, some of the other really, uh, really excellent, uh, recruiting experts over at 24 seven. Uh, you know, I think somebody like, uh, Greg Biggins, uh, Brandon Huffman, uh, Blair Angulo, those are all people that really understand the recruiting game better than I ever could. Um, that being said, this was a big, big weekend for visits for the University of Utah. Uh, there were three athletes that were on campus for official visits. That was coordinated. There were also a slew of in-state uh, athletes that were on, on campus for visits as well, and that was coordinated for good reason. I think the University of Utah recruiting staff understood how big a game uh, this one was and, and how important it was 
uh, to do this one right. And so that was a big reason why they moved the visit up for Lander Barton, for example, to this weekend. Um, if you really want to get the in-depth uh, knowledge and everything like that, you need to go subscribe over at eatzone.com. And Steve Bartle does a better job of rec- covering recruiting than just about anybody on the planet. There's more sourcing and information there uh, than anywhere else. But I will say this. The biggest and, and the most important target on the board, and everybody knows this uh, if you follow recruiting already. If you don't, uh, we're going to let you in on a nice little secret. It, it is Lander Barton. And Lander Barton should be target number one uh, for the University of Utah, um, without a doubt. If you go to the big board uh, at, at Ute Zone, that's a, an item that Dan Sorensen has done for you uh, for years. Um, he's been doing this for 15 years, which is just absolutely insane. Um, but the most recent big board had uh, the following three athletes as number one, two, and three for the University of Utah, Lander Barton, Carson Tabarachi, and Dallas Vakalahi. All three of those were on a visit this weekend, and all three of them, if you uh, follow any of the recruiting staff on social media, I, I highly recommend following Aaron Amaama on uh uh, TikTok, if, it, if that's your thing, if, if you think the Chinese are spying on you, it's okay. You don't need to download it. I'll just recap it here. It's fine. Um, but he had, uh, you know, videos of all them dancing together and uh, all the other athletes that were there on visits. Um, but those were the three biggest ones. They had them there this weekend. And I think that was with a purpose because the University of Utah was out to sell themselves and who they are as a program and what it is that they bring to the table. And the early word back was that it was a very impressive experience uh, for the recruits, that there were, um, you know, Lander Barton, target number one. He is a Barton. We talk about the Bartons all the time. Jackson, Cody, Danny, uh, Paul and Mickey, parents, they are Utes to the core. Lander has always been the one that everybody felt like was the most likely to go in his own direction. And from what I understand, from what I heard, uh, the visit this weekend had a strong impact in terms of not being so much about his family and the family's ties to the University of Utah, but where Lander the person fits in and what Lander can experience at the University of Utah. And I think that's a really, really smart move on the part of the University of Utah. Uh, treating him as an individual, as as a separate entity, I think probably pay, played to uh, you know his thought process and the things that he's been thinking about and feeling. And while it's hard to really get a gauge, especially on a guy like Lander who doesn't say much, doesn't talk about it very much, you know, some kids you always know where they're going, right? Like uh, um, some of them can't shut up about it. And that's fine. You know, honestly, in some respects, it's a good thing. Because that way it's a lot easier to read the, you know, the tea leaves and kind of interpret where guys are going and and what the plan is for things and everything like that. But for Lander, uh, it's not always easy to read. And um, so I think that going that route where you made it individually about him and his experience and didn't like play so heavily into his his Barton family angle, but to how he fits into the Utah family and this football team specifically, I think was great. I think the other part about it, too, if you read, read Alex Vehar's article in the Salt Lake Tribune, he talked a lot about how Lander wants to be a cowboy, how that he loves being out on the ranch. He's always roping things. I think that bond and that relationship with Colton Swan has to be a factor. And so while we see a lot of changes and a lot of movement in, in commitments and everything like that, I say Moa goes uh, decommits from Utah, ends up at BYU. And, and, you know, again, recruiting commitments and decommitments, 
just touchdowns, right? The, the long game, the victory is, is, is always once they get on campus and they start contributing, you know. And I think we're seeing how many victories Utah racked up, you know, the year that Van Fillinger and Xavier Carlton committed, right? We're seeing a ton of freshmen from that class, uh, one of the highest-ranked classes in Utah history. Uh, highest-ranked you know, player, I believe, in, in Clark Phillips. Uh, hold on. Okay, sorry. Had to check that one real quick because I remember that Ethan Calvert was also a very highly-ranked recruit, not the highest-ranked all-time. Still James Iono. Shout-out to the former Snow College Badger. Also has one of the best Mickey Mouse impressions on the planet. Uh, one of my favorite teammates. Uh, Love James. It was a shame that he could never find the right position at the University of Utah. Uh, probably should have been a defensive end. I'll just leave it at that. But anyways, so that 2020 class is playing, paying massive dividends right now, right? Clark Phillips, Van Fillinger, Xavier Carlton all starting. Uh, Connor O'Toole saw a little bit of him. Uh, Ty Jordan, obviously know the impact that he had. Seeing Money Parks start to show out uh, a lot. You know, Sione Fotu and Nate Ritchie as missionaries had early impacts there. Uh, Kamoi Latu, starting to see him. I think we're going to see more of Tanoa uh, Tongyai. You know, once he uh, starts to really learn the position of offensive line, I have really, really, really high expectations for him. Fabian Marks. That's, I mean, there are so many starters from from that group that I just mentioned, you know, along with Devin Confuci, a transfer from BYU. So that 2020 class was really a strong one. Um, how does that relate uh, to this year's class? Well, I think it's part of the pitch, right? You know, you can say to Lander Barton when he's there, like, hey, this is Devin Lloyd. He's leaving this year. He's going to be a first-round pick. Look. Look around. Look at all the guys who are playing right now that were all recruiting in 2020 and are now starting for us. That's what you need to do. That's what you can do here at the University of Utah. And you're going to be with a family that cares about you and really wants to develop you. And so I think for a kid like Lander who uh, really does care about doing things the right way, he plays hard, he plays for his teammates, he plays for his family, I think eventually that's uh, going to sink in. Uh, as far as Carson Tabarachi and, and Dallas Vakalahi, I know that Utah is pushing very, very hard for, for both of them as well. Uh, Tabarachi, I think, has a uh, has an eye, I will say this, um, you know, on, on some other programs. I don't think that means that Utah likes him any less. I think I love the fact that I think that they see him both as a tight end and a linebacking prospect. And I got to be honest, like watching him carry the football is extremely fun. And so I think that's, uh, you know, he's going to make his visits, but I think that Utah has as good an option as anybody else. Uh, he'll also be making visits to, uh, you know, he said, uh, he said in his comment, it was a great official visit. It felt like a family vibe in the locker room and everyone seemed very close. The campus was really big, had lots of new buildings. Coaches were great, showed a lot of love. They talked about the possible positions I would play and what the future would look like for me at Utah. Um, he's got an offer from Notre Dame. He's got an offer from USC. He's got an offer from Ohio State. Um, you know, uh, I think that that's one where, you know, they're going to have to fight to keep him keep him in the fold, but that doesn't mean that the, that fight's going to be, you know, uh, unwinnable, but I think he's a high priority, uh, target. I think that's why you're seeing, uh, Tabarachi on the visit. And that's where you're seeing Harrison Taggart commit to, uh, Oregon. I think that that's likely because they like Tabo more than they like Taggart. Um, but that could just be me assuming things. Uh, and then along with Dallas Vakalahi, he is just a, the prototypical defensive lineman. He's going to be a phenomenal three technique. Uh, he has offers from Oregon State, Stanford, Utah, TCU, and Arizona State. Uh, I likely think that it's probably between Utah, Oregon State uh, with that one. Um, maybe an outside chance at Stanford or TCU. Uh, but from what I understand, that's really uh, where it stands with him. 
And there is one thing to note with Dallas that he is planning on serving a two-year church mission, so he wouldn't really actually return to the roster until 2024. So that may play a factor as well. Um, he talks a lot about being, uh, you know, made a priority, and so I think Utah choosing to bring him in this weekend with Tabo with Lander, their three biggest priorities, bringing them in with all the other in-state kids that were there on unofficial visits, and really showcasing the Utah family and who could really top that atmosphere on Saturday night. I, I think it was a very strong move uh, by Utah and their recruiting staff and their recruiting department. Will it pay dividends? That's always the hardest part. You never really know with these kids, and, and they could wake up one day and think that none of this matters and that they don't, don't even want to play football anymore. Uh, but that's what we love about recruiting is it's crazy zany, and there's always stuff that could be happening. That's going to be it for today's episode of the Locked On Newts podcast. Thank you for hanging in here with me. I hope uh, – you know, it's. I hope. I hope that this isn't too big of a distraction from your day. If it was a miserable mess, uh, we'll make it up to you. I promise. Cole Bagley's back tomorrow. He's got two crushing interviews. We're going to talk about both of those. He talked to Kareni Reed and Devon Vale, two of the players that I am really excited to hear from. And and listen, the early quotes are very strong. I think you're going to be excited to hear that stuff. So, uh, just a reminder: you can get all your daily Pac-12 news in less than 30 minutes with Pac-12 expert Cindy Robinson. I was on the other day talking about Nick Rolovich and my thoughts about him being ousted as the head coach at Washington State. So if you even have any shred, uh, you know, care about that, you know, go ahead and give it a listen. Uh, but mostly you should be there for Cindy and all of her Pac-12 insider knowledge. Talks to a lot of our Pac-12 hosts uh, on that podcast. It's good stuff. So go ahead and subscribe. It's free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. That's it for today's episode of the Locked on Utes podcast. Thank you for following us. Thank you for interacting with us. We appreciate you all. We like you. We love you. And, uh, you know, keep your stick on the ice. Whatever else I have to say at the end of these things, who, who even knows? Uh, what a rambling mess. But, uh, but I genuinely love and appreciate you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with more Locked on Utes. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast for October 20th, 2021.